And we go out to the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Joining us now, part of the FTN Network with his almanac that he always puts out, Aaron Schatz on 92.3 The Fan. Aaron, how you doing? Thanks for joining us. Hey, I'm doing well, man. Uh, we're finishing up the book, getting ready for the season, and I'm pretty excited. All right, before we dive into some of that, I'm on your Twitter, and we've talked before, but I don't know that this has always been your your header. Uh, it's you and Seth Myers, and I went and I looked it up on Google. I was like, wait, I got to see, this. I got to find out <laughs> when this was. Uh, I first off, love it, love everything about this. Uh, in your mind, did you did you practice ahead of time? Did you? What what was that experience like? That's wild. Oh, it was a it was a trip, man. It was great. I I wish I could do it again. Um, probably the best promotional opportunity I've ever had. But no, I just won it. I winged it. Winged it. Yeah, won it. Winged it. I don't know how do you say that. Winged it. I works. just did my thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was good. Yeah, Seth's the reader. Wow, love that. Now, did you get a gift bag at all? What What did they give you in the in your dressing room? I did. I got a very comfortable T-shirt and a mug and a lot of snacks. That's not bad. I'll tell you, I mean, it's not like an Oscars gift bag, but well, I don't know what I was expecting there. That's pretty good, Aaron. Yeah, probably the same thing they gave Howie Mandel the same night. I <laughs> oh, so Howie was the guy after you or before you? I'm not, I don't, not entirely me. sure. I don't, I don't you. know if he still wears the T-shirt. I still wear the T-shirt. Yeah, oh, I would wear it every day, and I would just wait for people to be like, oh, do you, you go to a taping of Seth Meyers? Like, no. In fact, I was on the show. Yeah, it was awesome. It was it was pretty cool. I love that. I would have also. Have you ever seen Nathan for You, the Nathan Fielder on HBO? Have you ever seen that show? Yes. Okay. Yes. So, yeah. So you watch the episode where he tries to craft out the perfect, being the perfect guest on a late night talk show. I, I would have just I taken all seen that. that one. Oh, go. I haven't seen that one, but I, I guess I should go watch it now because I yes. had a chance to do it myself. The whole show is, and the whole um, episode is based around trying to nail this appearance on Jimmy Kimmel. And of course, in Nathan Fielder fashion, it just, it's completely ridiculous and awesome all in the same. The, the only sad news I have for you is that Seth Myers grew up a hardcore Pittsburgh Steelers fan. Oh, that is sad. That's, that's poor taste out of Seth. Yeah. Even though he's from New Hampshire, he's a Steelers guy. <gasps> he's not, is he old enough to be like a, a 70s fan of the Steelers? Is that how no, that works? No, it's because his, his dad was. Okay, that makes more sense. I'm like, he doesn't seem that old. I, I watched one of his stand-ups one time. I actually thought it was really, I thought it was really funny. I watched more of his stand-up than I, than I think I have his actual show, but he's been such a staple of that for a very long time. Uh, the same way you have in the football community, so let's get into it. Uh, before we get to some of the projections, I was kind of joking around a little bit earlier on. I was like, I wonder what Aaron's going to say on behalf of Perry on Winfrey and how that how that shifts the Browns' projections. I think the, the reality is that we're making such a big deal about this release today, but I would imagine for people that project out like you do, it doesn't change anything within the Browns' projections. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about a depth piece, a defensive tackle who didn't play that much last year as a rookie, and a fourth-round pick, even though some people felt he was a sleeper as a fourth-round pick, it doesn't really factor into projections at all. Who does impact it outside of Deshaun Watson the most? Is that is that does that belong to Miles Garrett? Does that belong to somebody on the offensive line? Like in your estimation, outside of Deshaun Watson, what injury or what absence would impact the Browns the most? Miles Garrett. Yeah, I mean, no question. I mean, there are a lot of people who I greatly respect who think that he is the best pass rusher in the game. Are you one of those people? Um. I think he's definitely up there in the top five. I don't know if I would put him number one, but um, Brandon Thorne, you know, judges, he watches every sack and looks at like, you know, high quality sacks versus low quality sacks. And and Garrett has a lot of high quality sacks where he beats 
good tackles or even double teams, whereas a guy like, say, Matt Judon from the Patriots had a lot of like more cleanup sacks last year. Aaron Schatz joining us here on 92.3 The Fan. Uh, so I want to know with your projections, and you got the FTN Football Almanac coming out, I want to know with your projections if you came into the same problem that basically I've been having the entire summer long. I think there's a couple quarterbacks this year. I think Russell Wilson is one of them, and I think Deshaun Watson is one of them, where it becomes basically impossible to project out based off of what they did last year to what they're going to be this year. I think Russell, you can make a little bit easier of a case, but I think Deshaun is incredibly tough. So when it came to Deshaun, what did you end up seeing as far as your projections? Look, obviously projections can be wrong, but we went with the idea of sample size. The fact is Kevin Stefanski's offense has been above average with bad quarterbacks until the last six games of last year. So what do you trust more, like a year and a half, two and a half years that Cleveland's been good on offense or six games? And then the same goes for Watson. Watson's been good his whole career until – Six games last year. What do you trust more? Watson's whole career or six games? Sample size tells you you should trust more what happened before that six games. And that suggests that the Cleveland offense will be good this year. Now, how good will they be in, in these projections and in your opinion then? I mean, we have them uh, eighth in our offensive projections. So, I mean, they're not Kansas City. They're not Cincinnati. Uh, but we, you know, I like Cleveland this year a lot. We think that they're basically going to be about the bottom of the top 10 in offense and about the bottom of the top 10 in defense. And that makes for a good team overall. Really? So yeah, top 10 in both. That's music to my ears, Aaron. Yeah, we have Cleveland actually projected. I haven't done my final simulation yet, but right now we have them neck and neck with Cincinnati for the division title. And it's the hardest division in the game. Neck and neck. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, again, you came on the right radio show as we speak in this way. I, I've been telling people I love this Browns team. I love them two to 53. Number one is the question mark that I have, but they cleaned up a lot on the defense, in particular on the defensive line. I like Jim Schwartz as, a, as now the defensive coordinator, replacing Joe Woods. Like, so I, you're telling me I can, I can maybe, just maybe start to buy into some of the hype. Yeah, Zadarius Smith is a great ad. Juan Thornhill should be a, a really nice ad. I mean, I'm a big Jim Schwartz fan, too, as coordinator. Offensively, like I said, the track record for Watson is good. The track record for the Browns is good. You put those two together, it should be good. And they have a, an easier-than-average schedule. Their schedule is not super easy. It's not like what the Saints have, but it's easier than average. So, I mean, the, the AFC North is going to be a – dogfight you know Cincinnati just because I said they're going to be neck and neck with Cincinnati doesn't mean Cincinnati's not great we mm -hmm. have Cincinnati as the number two offense in the league and then Baltimore should be good right especially they should be better on offense and of course they're always good on special teams and even Pittsburgh Pittsburgh should be an above average team we have the whole AFC North averages nine or more wins in our simulations whole oh, wow. the whole division yeah is the AFC North the, the hardest division in football? Yes. Not even close. And I say that and I say that as a Patriots fan, since the Patriots <laughs> are the reason. Yeah. The Patriots are the reason that the AFC North is the hardest because Pittsburgh is better than New England. Wow. I, I, I never thought about the idea of every team going above five hundred, but I, I think the Steelers are gonna be the worst team in the division, and Mike Tomlin does never fall short of five hundred. And so if I think the Ravens are gonna be good, I think the Browns are gonna be really good, and I think the Bengals are gonna be really good. Aaron, you're making a lot of sense to me. Yeah, I mean, your your thoughts basically go along with where our projections are. Now, I mean, look, 
The reason why we simulate the season 50,000 times is because there's a range of possibilities, right? You never know quarterbacks get injured, players get injured, or players suddenly turn it around and play, you know, great. Odell Beckham turns into the Odell Beckham of old, and the Ravens' offense is high, super high-flying. Like, there's a whole range of possibilities. But if you look at the average of the range of possibilities, it has this as the best division in football with really good teams in Cincinnati and Cleveland and a pretty good team in Baltimore and a good team in Pittsburgh. Now, I, w- I was reading, you know, FTN, and you're part of the FTN network now. They sent me over some of the highlights from your football almanac and getting me all ready for, for talking to you. And they, they said that Dallas was projected to have the most wins this season with 11, followed by San Francisco, Kansas City, and Buffalo. And I, I think it, it kind of speaks to a point I've been trying to make really all off season, Aaron, I've been trying to talk about how I think the AFC is going to beat up on itself. I think there's so many good quarterbacks. And I think the teams are so good. Everyone keeps talking like the Chiefs are going to win – you know, 13, 14 games. It's always in the card when you got him a Mahomes, but I feel like this AFC, wins are going to be at a premium, and we're not going to see true standout teams the way that you're accustomed to. The, uh, the four hardest projected schedules in the league are the four AFC East teams. Oh, wow. And then the Chargers are sixth, and the Broncos are seventh, and the Chiefs are ninth, and the Raiders are 11th. And like, it's just, yes, the AFC... The AFC South is not that spectacular, but the mm-hmm. rest of the AFC is very, very good. It's, it's wild to think about. Uh, Aaron Schatz joining us here on 92.3 The Fan. All right, so give me some of the other uh, key points as you, as you put together your almanac. Anything that you that in, in particular really stood out to you? Yeah, I mean, I think people are going to be shocked at what we project for the Atlanta Falcons and the New Orleans Saints. Basically, these two teams are very similar. They're going to be very average but they have by far the two easiest schedules in the league. It would not be a shock to see both Atlanta and New Orleans make the playoffs, kicking out teams that are better, but win fewer games because of schedule. Hmm. Uh, last one. Did, did you watch the quarterback series or no? I have not watched it yet. No, it is on my to-do list. Oh, Aaron, I got to tell you, it's it's really good. You, you, the Atlanta comment, it kind of jogged my brain a little bit because they have Marcus Mariota in there. It's more about Mahomes, and it's more about Kirk Cousins, if I'm being honest about it. Uh, but Mariota is in there, and, and Atlanta, I, there's something about Arthur Smith I really do like. I, I don't know about Bijan Robinson. I, I don't know, but you got Robinson, you got Drake London, you got all these, what, what is pro- projected to be some really talented players. I like that pick with Atlanta. They, uh, they added a lot on defense. We really like their defense to improve. So if they can have an average offense and a good defense and a really easy schedule, they could definitely be a playoff team. And the thing about their offense is we can argue about Bijan Robinson, and I am not a fan of taking a running back that high in the draft, but it does give them even more flexibility where they're going to be able to move players all around in different positions and really confuse defenses. I lied. I got to ask you one more now because you're—I mean—you you do so much with football analytics. What, what do you think about the conversation centered around the running back position right now, and how does that affect a conversation like we're having in Cleveland, where uh, I think, for my money, we got the best running back in the game, and now the sports telling me it's not worth as much. A lot of people think that for your money, you have the best running back in the game, and a lot of people who use more advanced stats that try to separate a running back from his offensive line are big fans of Nick Chubb. So. I mean, I, I still don't believe in paying running backs, but, you know, he, he, he may be the best one in the league. But I apologize on behalf of analytics. This is our <laughs> fault. Like this, is, like, this is totally our fault. This is like the biggest thing that analytics has changed in the 20 years that I've been doing this is what running backs get paid. 
Um, but it just doesn't make sense to pay running backs big money. And a, a big reason for it is not that the great running backs are not great. It's that the average running backs are also very good. Mm-hmm. There are just a lot of really good athletes who play the running back position. And so you can find a Isaiah Pacheco in the seventh round. You can find a Tyler Algier in the fifth round. And you can get good performance out of them if you have a good offensive line in front of them. And that is why you just do not pay big money to running backs, especially on a second contract when the fact is they fade at an earlier age than players at other positions. I'm sorry. Now, here's the thing. I think a lot of people read into this, that analytics people don't think football players should get paid. If running backs are not getting paid, the way a salary cap league works is that that money is going to other players, right? Mm -hmm. So this is not an argument about whether football players should be paid. This is an argument about which football players should be paid. What we're arguing for is giving more money to cornerbacks and pass rushers and offensive linemen. And I'm sorry for running backs that that means giving them less money. We also believe in giving less money to kickers and punters. That's a great point. It's not like they're being cheap. They're just allocating out the funds a little bit differently. Aaron, uh, fantastic insight. We always appreciate any time we can have you on for a few minutes. Uh, we'll check it out, FTN Network, and, of course, your football almanac that's been it's been the gold standard for a long time. We appreciate you giving us a few minutes, and and uh, congrats on the, the new place to, to call your home, and, and good luck in the, the almanac. Yeah, check out ftnfantasy.com. Look for the picture of Patrick Mahomes on the bottom right. Click that for more information about the Almanac. It's $29.99 right now on an early bird special. Awesome. Thank you, Aaron. Appreciate you. We'll talk to you later. Have a good night.